Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons everything. I'm your host, as always, Ahmad Mia, partner at Caravan, a community-driven venture capital platform. Now, given the nascent ecosystem, there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them. Our mission at Caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages. You can find more information about Caravan at www.caravan.vc. In this episode, I get to sit down with Jahan Zeb Chaudhary, the founder and CEO of Mandi Express, a fresh produce and grocery delivery service based out of Pakistan. So without further ado, let's get straight to the show. Essentially, what does Mandi Express do? Like, let me start from there. You know, we, um, most of us think, most people think about us as simply a fresh produce, uh, sabzi fruit delivery service, uh, comes to your house, delivers vegetables and fruits. People don't know that behind all that is not simply a company that is picking up vegetables from from the vegetable vendor and dropping it to the to the customer. We have a uh, and actually the most advanced uh, supply chain management systems in place, which is completely customized for the Pakistani market. Um, and and it's done. It's not just one business segment. Our B two C segment is actually just twenty percent of our business. We actually have five business segments. Uh, we serve B2B customers, restaurants, we serve B2B white label customers like Taraz, Defresh. Um, and there is a whole array of these e-commerce players that are lined up to source from us. And uh, we basically source and pack for them. So a lot of these companies that are out there selling vegetables and fruits, that's also us. So we're yeah, the so back end. You, you're the back end who's literally fueling yeah. all of this, basically. Okay. Yes. Um, and and that's part of the story. That's still uh, three business segments. We also have the RT business uh, at the Mandi, and uh, we have another business, a surprise business coming up, which is a basically kind of uh, why Mandi Express started. You know, it was a vision, um, the vision to be able to connect the farmer to the consumer and have a very transparent supply chain. Yeah, all the way through. And and I I'm a believer in technology. I'm a believer in data. Um, I myself, I have a farming background. I have a computer science background as well. Um, and I also have a business background. So I think it's, it's, it's all of these things combined, which has created Monday Express and uh, how I got here. Uh, that is something that, that, so let, let, let's begin on that. Let me, let me tell you more about the beginning. So now in typical, uh, story sessions, I don't go as far back as I'm about to. Um, and, and I kind of want to tell, because I think part of my personality and why I'm doing this, it, it depends, it really is the early years. Um, and um, it for me, when I was, so I, I'm, I'm from a affluent background, but uh, when I was eight, my father lost his job. And um, it was one of those things where he did the right thing, but, but by doing the right thing, um, things didn't work out. And 
it it really it really struck with me you know and, and i saw my father try different things he tried different businesses and i saw him um, try to make ends work but it didn't and, and every time there was a failure on that part i was learning yeah. so that was my earliest kind of foray into entrepreneurship by watching my father now i went to a prestigious school a private school one of the best in karachi and um, all of a sudden these financial changes that happen it, it puts you in a very strange uh, kind of environment as a child especially so it was a very difficult time for me but i the one thing that i i hold very closely and it's my mother what she said to me she said jhan se beta whatever you do you know get your grades get into all the all the different teams you know do your sports and then if you can do all of that if you can manage all of that do whatever you want so so you know the rebellion that i had inside me it all it would it would come out but it was it would come out in a way which was somewhat like i had my priorities straight because i knew what my responsibilities were what i had to achieve and then outside of that i was a naughty kid you know i was the kid sitting in the back of the class uh, doing all that so i graduated i got a full tuition scholarship i went to chicago i um, got my first job as a sales guy uh, and i think you know the first job as a sales guy is, is essential because you learn how to sell selling is the most logo se baat karne aa jati hai those but and and was selling the hatchil mein hoti it happens with your parents it happens yeah. with your friends it happens with your hr and with your employees like everybody really um so i learned that early on it was the 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 kind of platform upon which everything else was built but i knew i didn't want to do sales uh, i spent 3 months 6 months there learned everything i got i remember one of the biggest accounts i closed one of the biggest 14 it was i was selling professional training and um the only thing was for me to stay in the us meant i would do this for 4 years and i was like that's not what i'm going to do so i left and uh, you know if you're doing sales you're doing like about 200 calls a day you're bending the truth i really needed a a, a place to like uh, release all of that yeah and uh, a friend of mine had gone to hawaii i've always been a nature lover i love nature and animals and so she had gone to hawaii and the pictures were just so beautiful and she said that she went there with like almost no cash it's a there's a program called wolf and this program yeah, has been changed my life yeah. um, it's called wolf worldwide organization yeah. for, for farmers. organic farmers yeah i uh, she had gone to hawaii and so my plan was basically i was going to go to hawaii with 300 dollars that all i had <laughs> you know and and have a vacation and it became 3 months in the middle of a rainforest on the island of maui um literally in the middle of a, it was like a, a rainforest a jungle you know and and underneath the canopy were our tents and we lived i lived there Uh, with a, maybe a group of 12 people and learned everything about organic farming okay so and and it was just not just about organic farming it was uh, many things i think the fear of 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 cash you know of sustainability the ability to sustain yourself by through your own work ethic or through your own hands that ability to know that you know it's okay to not get a job it's okay to not make money because i can sustain myself through other means that fear once that i think that's a very crucial thing that people don't realize that holds people back so that was taken away when i was in hawaii and i i was living in the, in this community which complete was completely self sustained uh, you know we had solar panels for for electricity we had we had internet off the grid the full ha off the grid but in, internet tha so it wasn't like um, completely off the grid right it's a kind of hybrid model but the concept of permaculture is something that we yeah. really learned and permaculture the concept is it's a lot like people talk about upcycling 
you take one system and, and the waste of one system becomes the input of the other system. And, and that's, I think, at the core of Mundi Express right now as well. That's how we manage um, the entire supply chain. Uh, but anyway, so while we were there, several lessons. One was the fear, the, the sustainability, the permaculture, how all these systems interlink. And the third was, it, it was health. Um, I was on a purely organic diet, um, a macrobiotic diet. And after a month, I, I, my entire body kind of detoxed itself. Um, and uh, there were like spots all over. And after that, you know, when you were, when you, when you were a kid, you're six years old, you're just running around, you have so much energy. That came back. I have not experienced that since, since Hawaii. But that came back. And the reason for that was that we, what we eat on a daily basis, it's filled with toxins, you know, the yeah. pesticides, the chemicals, all of that. So one month of weaning yourself out of that, no meat, no sugar, and you're a completely different person. All my sinus problem gone, allergy problem gone, everything gone. So I, I was a very different person. Uh, this is back in 2011. And, and I was on a mission. You know, I, I was so inspired by this way of life that I, I wanted to come back to Pakistan and become organic farmer. That was my, my dream at that time. So I came back in 2011 and I started um, my own backyard farm uh, in, my, you know, in my backyard, experimenting everything that I had learned. I rebuilt that on a smaller scale. And it was going well while I was doing that. Uh, I was also, I had enrolled in IBA. I was doing a master's in computer science. Uh, I did not have a computer science background, but I kind of self-taught myself. Online courses, I did an MIT course on industrial computer science, all that. Um, and uh, so while I was doing my master's course, I was into wireless sensor networks and I was into uh, uh, artificial intelligence. And, and, and so all my projects were to do with my farm. So I, my first project was a wireless auto irrigation system, which completely put my farm on a, on a, on a loop. My air conditioner water would go uh, into a tank and it would run this soil moisture sensor would kind of run a relay and it would just automate my entire farm. So I was building these things from the start. And another problem at the time, very close to my heart, I didn't know I was going to go into Mundi Express, but uh, a problem I used to face in Pakistan was that, uh, you know, blue collar. You, you can't find a good mechanic, a good plumber. You always have to find somebody, you find somebody and then you don't get after sales. And I'd just come back from the US. So I started my first company called Labor Force back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And that was my first experience into kind of solving a, a real big problem for us through technology. And uh, the innovation in it was simply that, you know, these people are there, but they're just not online. Uh, and the reason they're not online is because they don't have access to the internet. So yeah. how can we put people online without access to the internet? You know, and the innovation was, oh, SMS, let's... Uh, allow them to interact with a short code, get their name, all that. And I did that and it was naive of me to kind of cast this net on all of the blue collar, uh, the entire segment. And uh, I think I've always been fortunate that I've had very good mentors and very good uh, training programs. So my first training program was Microsoft Innovation Center. And uh, it was in co collaboration with the team in uh, like Venture Hype in, in, in Florida or something. Uh, I forget the exact name. But they were like, you know, you've got to, you're going to take this entire segment and focus on one particular blue collar segment and, and, and just focus on that. And so for me in my head, all of a sudden everything clicked. Oh, farming, let's go to agriculture. Did some research, found out 48% of our labor force actually belongs to the agri industry yeah. and everything just clicked. You know, I was like, okay, let's do this. Now, while all of this is happening, um, I am trying to expand my, my farm. And as I go out to, the super hybrid to buy farmland and, and I'm speaking with, uh, with farmers, the farmers 
they're like, you know, you're, you're a fool. <laughs> what are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm trying to sell organic vegetables. You know? They're like, oh, look at this gullible guy uh, trying to think he's great. He can sell vegetables and fruits organic and sell them for a higher price. They're like, you know, here we make just enough to feed ourselves. You know? yeah. That's how it is. When you go to the mandi, a cucumber is a cucumber. Carrot is a carrot. There's no such thing as Lekin organic carrot. But in the mandi, there's no such thing that people don't value so much. In Pakistan, there's an issue that people don't value so much. And they don't understand the spirit. The thing, the the thing, the thing, the the thing yeah. is that when you go to a sabzi and purchase something, they, they don't know where that came from. You know, They don't know where, where that stuff came from. They can't track that. There's no yeah. real kind of blockchain that exists or any kind of tracking that this came from this farm. So the, even if a vendor is superior, it's pretty much on the basis of how it looks that people decide how, when, what to purchase, right? Uh, when you're going and buying citrus, for example, kino, mandarin, when you're buying that, you're looking at the shiniest, biggest, juiciest piece. You know, you have no idea what, which farm it came from. What was the pesticides used? What were the fertilizers used? Yeah. What's the quality of the land? What's the quality of the water, right? Whereas we should be caring about that, but we don't. We look at the shiniest thing and buy that. So therefore, the market also adjusts to that. The market also buys the shiniest yeah. looking product, right? Therefore, this, this system cannot be changed. You have to, and you, if I were to go into the market and say that my cucumber is better than the other cucumber, they'd be like, it doesn't look better. So we don't care, right? That's, that was the issue. So my kind of dream to become a farmer, that was, that was pretty much over after that. Um, but at this point in time, I, I was going for another play. It was, it was the farm directly. And uh, it was simple. Connect a farm directly to the customer. So there was another thing he said. When you spend 100 rupees in the supermarket or at the vegetable stand, the farmer only makes about 20 rupees. So there's a huge gap that exists between the farmer and the customer. So like, okay, let's leverage that gap. And I was working with a few farmers. I'd made some friends. And I, I did this MVP kind of model uh, on minimum viable product using Facebook. I did a little ad. I connected this one farmer, three products, and it was a huge success. Uh, what we did was we cut the price, the market price by half, yet we gave the farmer double. Uh, and, and it was a win-win for all, and we made some money as well. But one thing led to another thing, realized, you know, the problem, we're not solving the core problem. We're, yeah, we're connecting this farmer, but the core problem for the, the general B2C consumer is that they want every, they, they don't want to leave their house. Um, you know, the general consumer wants everything to be done using their phone. They want the right item at the right price, at the right quality, delivered to them, you know, in a platter. That's it. So unless we can have the entire vegetables and fruits category, and which later on transformed the entire fruits category, seafood category, meat category, grocery category, everything for the kitchen. Like then I started, so the, the business transformed from connecting just a farmer to a customer to solving a problem the problem of convenience. Yeah. And that was the evolution of Monday Express. So we started off with B2C, then we went to B2B, then we went, as we were doing B2B, we realized that, you know, there are all these other companies that would really benefit from our purchasing techniques. We had built up uh, systems around that and we'd won awards. Full processes and everything, yeah. Full everything. So then we built, started, started building deep, we start providing to other e-commerce players as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where the business really started to take off uh, because, you know, Defresh came on board, all of a sudden revenue shot up and teams are, are growing. So I think it's been six years and um, 
within those six years, even though a lot of the B2C consumers don't know us, but indirectly, a lot of their produce is actually coming from us and they don't even know it. Um, See, and, and, and that's... Yeah. It, it's it's very interesting the evolution of Monday Express key and, and the different business segments that's kind of coming out and, and I'm sure majority of the people don't know that it is logistics system who's bringing that yeah. kind of technology for you to be able to order from Daraz or something else. And it's also very interesting how you say when you're, 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 you're the, the company kind of like upticked when Daraz kind of came about here, what I'm understanding is you, you understood where you have leverage and you understood leverage with customers and with the, the marketing dollars that you don't have to kind of do. And you're, you're really looking at your competitive advantage. So you're, you're looking at how do you kind of, how do, how, do you, how do you kind of bring those two together, which is really fascinating. Yeah. And, and that kind of helps you in turn as well, because that helps you make more money that bring down costs, bring more people on board. And then it turns to kind of help you on your B2C business as well. Right? Yeah. So, you know, in the Monday, when you're going out and purchasing, the more volume you have, and, and any, as any kind of purchaser, the more volume you have, the more say you have in any market that you're in. So our purchasing is singular, no matter which business segment we get orders from, the purchasing always happens in a singular fashion. So before, if we were purchasing from the wholesaler, we start purchasing from the, the guy who supplies the wholesaler, the RT. Then if we are getting it from the RT, we'll go directly to the farm. Uh, and, and that's where you get the economies of scale. And as you get economies of scale, you know, all of a sudden you become more price competitive than anybody else. And therefore you are the solution. Now, it's not just about being price competitive. It's also about having a good, solid, clean reputation. Yeah, um, that's one of the biggest things. Being good paymasters, how you cycle, how you how you let how you how you manage your cash flow. Cash flow is extremely important in this business. You know, six years time, we have you know there are many different startups that 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 try different routes. Some go for the big money. They spend a lot. They burn a lot, and they kind of they're going for capturing the largest market size um, as fast as possible. There's some that go the other route, and the traditional business goes the other route, which is on profits, you know, they become a profitable company and then they stay there and they're at a, at a, they're at a comfortable position and they typically just like to stay there or sometimes they become empires. But uh, in Pakistan, as, from a VC standpoint, right? And then six years ago when I would speak with investors, they'd be like, you can be one of the two, you can't be both. And yeah. what's interesting is now the entire dynamic has changed. My answer at the time was that I want to build a company which not only dominates the market, but also is a profitable company. That's, that was always uh, the forte. But the response from investors was, that was foolish. Uh, you should not do that. You can't do that. You have to choose one or the other. And I was like, no, it makes no sense. Um, why, think, why should one? I think it's a very yeah. interesting point that you, you, you brought this up. In Pakistan, there's always a scarcity mindset with entrepreneurs. So I want to and make sure that our business it needs to have a path to profitability. It needs to look at the unit economics. It needs to have all of that built in. And then Uber kind of toppled all of that was another business which is always going to be continuously losing money and people are going to keep on pumping money. But then when you come into a scenario where people are less bullish and they're going to think about unit economics and they're going to be like, oh, wait, I'm not going to invest um, in this company because yeah. I can't continuously um, 
add on to the burn that they're doing in order to, to, to acquire their customers. So it's, it's interesting that you have that kind of mindset going um, into, into the business altogether. Lekin, I have a question, a little tactical. Yeah. When you were starting off and, all those, and, and the evolution of the business model was happening, how did you kind of get the first thousand customers of, of Monday Express, of, of whatever that was at that point? How did you kind of go out and, and sell? So I think it was um, it was quite easy actually getting the first thousand customers was really really easy simply Facebook Facebook ads that's that's all it really required. Uh, once we had this flow going and um, so the very first uh, time that we started operating and and from the Monday what would happen is every night I would aggregate all the orders myself go to the wholesale market myself purchase come back and it was a team of three people uh, so me and two guys. And, I, and these two guys were my backyard farmer boys who I trained, yeah. trained how to use the laptop and put do a little bit of data entry on Google Sheets. So I would go, I'd buy all this product and I'd come back, give it to them. And there were like 15 orders a day. So they'd give it to the 15 customers on their bikes and, and deliver them and come back. And that was, that was the entirety of the operations, three person staff. Uh, so, so that's how it began. And as that picked up, and it was simply, we did Facebook marketing. We literally put an ad up on Facebook and all the early adopters who were thinking about it, uh, you know, good marketing. Um, we, we got the, those early adopters on board. We were the, one of the first people to actually start this. So it was really not an issue at all. It was actually scaling, which was the problem. The yeah. problem was how do you scale this company? How do you scale when you are essentially a vegetable vendor, you know, a vegetable and fruits vendor, when you, try to acquire, like when I was trying to go out and get myself a co-founder, um, it was very difficult to convince the person because when he'd go to his mother and say, oh, I want to join this company that sells vegetables and fruits, they'd be like, oh, <laughs> that's what I, what I spent all these millions of uh, rupees for your education for, so you can become a vegetable and fruits vendor. You know? so that, was, that was the challenge. And even now, even now, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, serving when we work at the Karachi Sabzi Mandi, people don't realize this Karachi Sabzi Mandi is a $1 billion to about $8 billion market right there. Yeah. That one tiny little spot uh, in Karachi is serving the sixth largest city in the world. If you're, the food, if you're sitting in Karachi and you're eating anything at any restaurant or at your house, has at some point gone through that Sabzi Mandi. That's a whole other ball yeah. game, right? Like that, that's a whole other ball game. But like, this is just for the GDP top down I'm talking about. And also now, once again, if you think about it, what we, what, what they report on the, like the official figures, you know, they're always understated. Yeah. So, and especially when it comes to fresh produce, I can't, what I see with my eyes when I'm sitting at the Monday, it's at least like eight to 10 times, um, more business than what's reported because it's all cash. It's cash. It goes through Iran, goes through, uh, goes into Afghanistan and it's all cash business. basically. So anyway, it's a massive market and people don't realize that, right? They, they think about it just, oh, you're the subsidy fruit, it's a vegetables and fruit. It's no big deal, but that's, this is where that innovation is required. And um, when I was coming back from the US, my friends would also tell me the same thing. They'd be like, you know, what are you doing? You're an idiot. Why are you coming back to Pakistan? Um, and I used to tell them, you know, it's like, I'm a diehard, I'm a very patriotic person. And, and if we're not going to come back and, and do anything for the country, then who's going to do it? The yeah. problems exist because the, 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 the brightest of minds all go leave. abroad and, and, yeah. and leave. So if we were to actually take a problem and, and think of the problem instead as an opportunity, which is what you said earlier on as well, that's the solution. So this is for me, when I, when I came back, right, like essentially 
my goal was to become a farmer. I still want to become a farmer. I want to be an organic farmer that has this nice uh, organic farm, but also has a little tech side to it where I can yeah. do my mad science experiments. Uh, that's what I really want to do. But to get to that, first I have to go through this. And, and going through this is not a bad thing. Going through this has really developed uh, me as a person, um, me as a manager, me as a CEO. Like I, I'm a, I'm a change, I'm, who I am today is very different than who I was a year ago. Who I was a year ago is very different than who I was when I was eight years old. Uh, but there are some things which are the same. Um, one thing that my, what my mother has said, uh, there was another part to it. And uh, that was that, okay, whatever you will be, you will be of your own accord. Yeah. Uh, you know, no one will help you. You have to become whatever you have to become on your own merit and off your own hard work. And, and that's always stuck with me. And, and I've always been somebody who's been independent and self-sustained and throughout. And that's kind of how I, the same kind of with the business, I always wanted it to be not just a company that takes money, burns money, gets customers, but a company that does all that and also makes money, which is self-sustained. Um, so I think that's kind of how it all kind of comes together. Um, it's kind of the, the passion for agriculture meets the passion for technology uh, and the business acumen and, and life's experience. They've all it's, shaped. It's fascinating. Yeah. Na? Like listening to you speak, you, you, you're you literally yeah. telling the story and I can see like little pointers. Like you're becoming to what you're, what you're doing today. All of those, those little experiments and, and the experience. If someone asked me six years ago or 10 years ago, okay, what will you do when you grow up? Will you, will you, um, will you run a, on Monday Express, I would have laughed at them. <laughs> There's no way. Like, how is that even possible? You know, before I went to Hawaii, the, even the thought of it would have not, was not, there was not even a glimmer of, of, of that. Uh, so, Jansen, if we step back a little, a little bit, if you tell me, what are the challenges being in all of these business lines and doing what you do and dealing with produce that is perishable, that... Uh, so much is affected what are some of the challenges of being a founder of a company like this what are some challenges that you face on a daily basis being an operator i think um it's uh, the biggest challenge is trust um, and that there's a there's a massive trust deficit uh here in in, in pakistan and, and that trust deficit it exists uh, as a supplier or as as a perch, as a customer, uh, between all stakeholders, that it exists, and it yeah. it's there within um, a manager and their their subordinates as well, and and this trust deficit is there because there is a, a problem. Um, I think it's, it's when my me and my HR manager or BP, she uh, we sit down, right? Like we go through a thousand resumes to get to one person, and sometimes that person does not pass our ethics test. That's the problem. I think the biggest problem for us is, is, is that, right? There is a, a massive issue where people will lie and cheat and it's just normal. It's considered a normal practice. Like when you go to the Monday, for instance, um, or you go to a vegetable vendor or fruit vendor, you don't realize this. You know, they show you those shiny mangoes, but like sometimes there's like a few rotten ones. So they're showing you the shiny mangoes, but it's they're actually they're getting rid of the wastage when people aren't looking. And this is, it starts off all the way at the farmer and ends all the way at the consumer. So it, it happens all the way through, right? Even when you're buying from a wholesaler, he's doing the same thing. He's taking his previous days, 
waste and adding a little maybe 10% of it into the bulk. And now you have to check all that, right? So you can't rely on a vendor. So you have to have a control on that. And then the guy who's the control sometimes get bought, gets bought out by, or not bought out, but like gets, gets on payroll for the guy who's trying to push it through. So there's always, it's a, for me, I think the biggest challenge as a company, and I think anybody really, we all know that there is a there's certain amount that's going to go into all of this, into the khanchas, into the kickbacks. Yeah. There's certain amount, and, and now the thing is, the business that we are trying to do is a business which is free of that, right? It's a, I'm a data guy. I'm a data scientist. And uh, when you start looking at the data, you see even the 0.13% wastage as why is there a 0.13% wastage? We're a just-in-time company. Uh, why is there any wastage? There should be no wastage. You know, we're working with these vendors for the last six years. Why are they doing that twist? And, and so the challenge really now is how do we, it's, I think it's a, mora- it's, a, it's a challenge on ethics. How can we change their perception? How can we reward them in other ways that does not involve a financial kickback from a vendor, but instead incentivize them through management practices so that they are ethical, <laughs> basically. That, that, that's, that's, that's what we really, we really, that's the biggest challenge. Really. Um, if everybody was to follow their SOP, there would be no problem. All the SOPs that don't require physical work, we've actually automated all those processes through the tech. Um, and uh, it's really beautiful the way it, now, now the problem is data entry, the very starting where it all begins, right? So now right now all the focus on that, how do you get them to actually enter the correct data? Because they keep on trying to evade that uh, and, and creating issues over there. So now I'm hiring these engineers and placing them, because uh, these guys, just imagine I'm hiring engineers to do data entry. To do data entry, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just listening to that. I'm like, whoa. Uh, that, <laughs> it's more than data entry. It's more than data entry. It's they understand the process and the like. So these um, these new engineers that are coming on board, they're really really sharp. Mashallah, say I must say, K, NED, GIK, all these schools are producing some of the brightest students. These guys are doing phenomenal work. Like I, yeah. this guy, one of the guys is doing like a brain um, interface where you can control uh, like a, a switch. Just with your brain, you know, these are the kind of guys we're, we're, we're hiring. And we, within about four weeks, I'm teaching these guys how to write SOPs. Uh, so it, it, their learning pace is that quick and process, you know, for us, everything's about process. So they pick up on process, literally where it would take me three months of like meetings and exercises and practicals. It takes these guys about a week to figure it out and, and they get on it. And then they start figuring out the loopholes. And then now, so now we've actually the ones who are the most mature, uh, we're moving them into uh, a structure where we're actually having them do the policy work, right? So writing SOPs nice. is policy work. Just yeah. imagine <laughs> you're four weeks into your into your like training program and you're writing. If you're doing and you're, and you're moving them up the ladder so quickly, yeah. you're, you're working on that. On that As in, I don't, uh, yeah, obviously I, I oversee it all. You know, I would not let them define our, our policy. I, I let them comment on it and, and give their, it, it's still kind of, it still yeah. gives the person that idea, yeah. right? Like well, well, innate Barosa kind of starts to develop. Okay, okay. He's trusting me with this, even though you're looking on top of what they're doing, but at least it empowers them. Right. So it's, it is. You know where it's about? It's about, I feel as a Pakistani growing up, right? We're always taught that, but you're to say 
uh, this can't change. You know, yeah. we, we always thought that we, there is a limit to our ability. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I always try to do, and, and I think it's, it's been a very big challenge, is how do you bring them out of that? Yeah. How, do you, how do you let them know that, no, there is no limit. You know, you are in control of your destiny. If you want, if you put your, your mind to it, you, you put your heart to it, and you work hard, you can achieve anything that you, that you desire. Yeah. To break that, and, and for them, you know, it's like, yeah, but like the thing is, that's, you keep on drilling that into the head, you keep on showing them. So very recently, I kind of um, showed them how you can actually change culture and um, you can actually manage blue collar without ever raising your voice, just simply through data, simply through data. Uh, and simply through process, the HR process as well as, as well as some some the process automations, and this they did not believe me going into it. And two weeks later, when we fixed all of it, they all saw it. So that then they had the aha. All of a sudden, they're like, "Yeah, maybe this guy knows what he's talking about." <laughs> you know, that was so you, little, a few miracles here and there. Yeah. Uh, you put them in, and all of a sudden, uh, they they get it. They get it. So I really like that's that's the goal right now. Get these guys empowered. Get them to start like thinking beyond what, what they're used to and start con- contributing in, in, in a way that will change um, the d- dynamics of, of the workplace. And, and essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to change the way fresh produce moves hands. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to create that transparency that, that in, into, the, into the system. So, dude, tell me about, well, we're running a little bit late. Like, how was the fundraising process, being an entrepreneur, being a doer? Um, how did you get into that zone when LIVC kind of came on board, with, when, when Baba and, and, and Faisal kind of came on board? How was that for you? Uske baad, if you could just quickly say something about the most difficult and the most rewarding period of your journey, and then, uh, and, and then we'll go on. So I think, you know, to be honest, uh, fundraising is a very difficult uh, task. And uh, when you have the momentum, when, 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 when you're going... You know, when, when you're soaring, you know, that's really when an investor wants to put money into you. Yeah. Uh, but it's also team, uh, various things that you should have in place before uh, raising money. I think it was really, really hard to raise the first, uh, the seed round, uh, which was um, the round before LIVC came in. Uh, so, so that round was the difficult one because at that point we were a lot younger and uh, a lot more immature and many lessons we had to learn um, about handling cash really. Uh, and, and when we got that money, uh, lessons about managing staff as well. Uh, and they were, they were, it was, I'm glad that it wasn't too much money because they, the amount of money that we used uh, while doing those practices, um, we basically, we had certain targets and we were not able to achieve those targets. Um, and all kinds of things went wrong that we did not ever foresee. So raising the funds in itself, it was like everything was going on, on an upward trend and then we raised the funds um, and then it kind of plateaued a little bit. Uh, the, the actual process of raising funds we had uh, is just a lot of uh, P&Ls, revisions to P&Ls, lots of kind of auditing of your accounts, all your data entry. And, and I, to be honest, it was painful, but at the same time, it was very beneficial uh, because all, all of a sudden, all the things that we had always been like, you know, okay, we'll do it later. We did neglect, 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 exactly. And the second round came in, the LIVC round, that was even a more, that was more uh, stringent. Uh, But that's the thing. At the end of that exercise, we were completely from a financial standpoint, we were at um, where we should be. We were at 100, you know. 
um, so it was a good it was a good experience um, learned a lot lots of paperwork lots of uh, you know just kind of finance and accounts related work but the benefit is there you know without the cap kind of it depends right what you're going out to do if you want to set up a pan ka khoka you don't need more than 50000 rupees but if you're going to set up like a steel factory then then you need money to do that right but the more money you put in the more money you get back and 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 the vision of mandi express is not a panka coca the vision for mandi express is a company that will change the way agriculture is traded in pakistan um, that's what we're trying to do and having the kind of uh, kind of power or, or cash or network that comes with uh, investors like libc and even um, our previous investors um, or even current investors garitech uh, disrupt ventures uh, not not a lot of people know about uh, disrupt but uh, disrupt is one of the biggest startup success stories in pakistan that nobody knows about uh, and these guys like pure vpn uh, some other big names uh, cloudways it's owned by these guys a bunch of brothers uh, who are really really smart young guys uh, progressive and so you know we get a mix of, of of both we get we get the large corporate structure happening libc laxon all those guys and then we have the young you know the, the fresh startup uh, who actually made it coming in from from garitech uh, and the strap ventures and i think the combination of the two with their networks it really gives us a lot of support they they, they, they help us in everything uh, so difficult process to get them on board to convince people that you know your startup will become possibly the next unicorn or something like that um, to convince somebody on the, on on those lines it, it's a difficult process but i think if you have your 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 data points in the right place um, you're able to persuade people and obviously you have you have a good solid product you know that solves a problem that really requires solving and 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 they can see that your team and what you have done so for your processes they can actually solve those processes through a practical demonstration which which which, which they can see represented in numbers in the pnl uh, if that check 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 then then yeah then then you get a check <laughs> so like, <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant yeah like you you summed it up in such a such an amazing way that i i, I couldn't have you know asked for better so tell me about the most difficult and the most rewarding part of your journey so far hmm that's so so i think there there been lots of startup life is it goes like this right there, there is it's, it's a, uh, a but usually it's, it's going like this yeah upwards so um the most difficult the most difficult time was so there was a time and um, there was a time that things at the office uh, just became I, i you know one of the things uh, about me uh, i internships in pakistan before i left and i always hated politics uh, for me it is the worst like it's like why would you go to an office where people are just there was a time that the company that i aspired to be free from all that became that yeah and i think that was the most uh, it, it was it was heartbreaking really it was is really really um, heartbreaking to see that and the thing is when times are bad the worst in people comes out so at the same time i, I don't uh, you know the, the people who have, who went through that and the people who uh, participated in all of that you know they were it's like you you take a person you corner them and they will react and they will become aggressive um and, and defensive and and do whatever they can to 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 defeat you or whatever you know whatever it is so 
I think that was the most painful thing for me. Sad thing that people that I that I kind of groomed uh, to 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 be where they were 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 not uh, following the code of conduct or, or like the kind of company that we wanted it to be. You know, that was the most painful thing for me. Um, and uh, there have been several downs and ups for us but to see that your own people are it was kind of like betrayal you feel like you're yeah. a bit betrayed by everybody uh and it was that that was the worst the best um the best times there have been lots of best like there have been so many good times as well you know and they're, they're like uh, just like the little small small good times uh money comes in uh you get recognized on some show amat show uh you you get like a, an article comes in dawn uh, i don't know uh, you get funded uh, you get a deal from draz which is a massive deal life changing deal kind of thing really uh, so like just yesterday the, we, we we locked jim khana and uh, karachi club is yeah. tiny tiny little things but yeah. lots of them really you know? so i think uh, i don't know i can't i can't place one moment which was the best moment ever uh, at mandi express i, I think there are lots of these these milestones that we were achieving i love it uh, which of which of kind of yeah awesome jazeb akhri sawal aapke liye if you could describe three of the most important lessons that you've learned in your journey so far so the one lesson that's very close to my heart uh, the biggest one really is um i used to always kind of preach values um and uh, what it means to be a professional Uh, and to be a role model really and there was discrepancy in that uh, what i was preaching and what i was doing at times and i realized about a year ago uh, that you know to actually be a leader you have to live your words you know you cannot just say these things you have to live them and so there's another thing where um, it's a saying where it says that you should be the same person you are at home uh with your friends yeah. and at work yeah and and that's what i really try to be i think that's that, that's what now i try to be the same person that i'm um at my house or with my friends or at work i'm the same person um and and i think becoming that same person is a very difficult thing uh, it's a very difficult thing because otherwise there are always like these versions of you uh that so that's i think for me one of the biggest lessons is that and i think that's a all encompassing uh, lesson because it pervades to everything in the way that i all the, all the dealings that that i do it goes through that like the highest level is are the values yeah uh, and I, before that before prior to this you know I, I, people would talk about values and I, even when i was a, a lot younger i would think yeah what is this values values uh, companies values and companies vision companies mission uh, and now i realize what how important it is uh, and how i get it but nobody down the line gets it and how do i how can Make i change that, that 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 uh, that view and and have them also understand that the value of of that to understand that like that's your north star uh, everything you do that's that's your operating system that's your filter through which you you make your your decisions the choices you make goes through that filter um is it good for mandi express you know does it align with mandi express's vision with mandi express's mission what i'm what i'm about to do and to kind of create that that i think so yeah it, it all comes from values uh, essentially at the top of it everything is it all depends on values and everything else goes so biggest lesson is, is values um i think second um what would be the second most important lesson uh, i think cash flow 
cash flow management. Um, cash flow management, even though I this was this is a lesson learned over six years, and we're I'm, I'm a PhD in cash flow management. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, how do you balance that cash that you're gonna give to credit to your to your customers from the vendors, and you know keep those relationships in check with the amount of volume and amount of business you give to them. So it's, it's a very delicate balance. Uh, and, and learning about and making sure that you know that number on a daily basis, if not hourly basis, that how your cash flows. I think that's the, for for Pakistan and for me for uh, from, for this business, cash flow management is is a key lesson. Um, there's no way you can survive without doing cash flow and tech. So the th- third thing is leveraging tech. But it's you know this, these are things I always knew. Okay, you can automate everything. Everything that can be automated, automate it. Wherever there is a human, there are chances of yeah. errors. Wherever there's a system, it's minimum. It's almost negligible. Uh, you know, unless there's like a system failure, there will be no error. It's code is code. <laughs> you can't, you can't. That can't be wrong over there. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, your feedback, please do send them my way. Mera direct email address hai amad at caravan dot vc. Orna ap hamare baare mein aur information hasil kar sakte hain on our website, which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram. Um, our handle is at caravan.vc. Until next time, khudafiz. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.